Welcome to this edition of Morgan He Asked For podcast. I think I'm going to name this uh, podcast Football Tears in Iowa. It was a rough one in the state of Iowa on Saturday afternoon. Uh, both Iowa and Iowa State probably played their worst games of the year and just struggled. You know, Iowa's offensive struggles continued, maybe got worse. Iowa State's defense for the first time this year and the first time in several years um, was their weak link. I mean, when you score 31 points, um, you, you think uh, with that defense, the way it's been uh, going since 2016 when they made the switch to the, the 335 stack, um, hasn't given up 38 points very many times. Uh, let's start there with Iowa State. 38-31 um, loss at West Virginia. It didn't take them completely out of the Big 12 title, but now you need help. Um, much like Iowa, they don't control their destiny. Um, I would say it has to win out. Now they have to win at Oklahoma, which is uh, a tall task. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's not looking good. It, it's, it's a very disappointing season. Um, from what the, you, I really shouldn't even say that because if you ask Iowa State fans over the history of time, the history of time, we've never won more than nine football games. And if we would win out and go nine and three, that's the best record ever. And then whether we go the Big 12 title game or not, we'd have a bowl game and have a chance to win, to break that all, that record. So over the course of Iowa State football history, this season is a top 5%. But from what happened last year and everybody returning and what could have, should have been, it's very disappointing and disheartening. Um, I'm going to be very interested to see Saturday night, 6.30, Texas comes to town. Um, this game was all set to be a big-time game. It was going to be, I think, uh, 2.30, Big Fox or ESPN. You know, if Texas wins last Saturday, if Iowa State wins, it's probably about number 16 versus 23. You know, I would guess maybe a little different with the, the college football poll rankings. Uh, but about that in the AP or whatever. and you know, both teams are still in the race. Texas needed some help, but they, you know, had some wins there. Iowa State still in the driver's seat to get to the, the Big 12 title game. But that all derailed. Baylor beats Texas relatively handily. Um, and Baylor, by far and away, is the surprise of the Big 12 this year. Um, we're going to see how good they are coming up. They still play um, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Um, so we're going to see how good they really are, but they have the chance to earn their way. Iowa State's hoping both those teams beat Baylor because they actually need uh, Baylor to get to three losses with their loss. But let's talk more about the game Saturday. Um, as I said, worst performance of the season all around. Um, just didn't look like they were, you know, the, the pep in their step, wherever. It's a long trip out there. Um, it was kind of a dreary day. I think um, the last two weeks before that, Kansas State and Oklahoma State, both wins and both very solid, but very physical games. You know, Oklahoma State and Kansas State play much like Iowa State and Iowa, physical, try to run it, try to pound it. They're not spread them out, throw it all over. So I think that kind of came back. Mike Rose, All-American linebacker, Big 12 player of the year, did not play. And I think that showed – really much, you know, one player doesn't constitute, you know, how bad they were, 
but but I listened to some people. Uh, Jeff Woody on Cyclone Fanatic um, played at Iowa State, was scored the touchdown against Oklahoma State and to upset them. He made a great point. Mike Rose is an unbelievable tackler and makes up for other people's mistakes. Um, they had trouble tackling Saturday. And when they were in situations where the mistake was made, you know, him being as great as he is, is able to erase that instead of a 12 yard run, it's a four yard run. So they don't get a first down, um, but they were able to get that first down or even like nine yards. So they were second one and they were able to throw the ball deep on second one. And that's where they got Iowa State all day. It was throwing the ball deep. A weakness of the defense all year has been uh, the secondary, um, just the lack of experience and stuff. That's where they graduated. Most of their people that did uh, graduate, they didn't lose very many, but what they did, they lost there. Uh, and that was exposed on uh, Saturday afternoon. Um, I don't know how much you watched it uh, or anything, but uh, what are your thoughts there, Trev? I didn't watch a single play and not because I didn't want to. It was just Iowa played earlier and we'll get to them later. So that kind of ruined the day. That tells you the reason I didn't watch much more football the rest of the day there. But yeah, you're right, Mike Rose. I mean, when you have a great defensive player like that, as you mentioned, he can make up for a lot of other people's mistakes, like you said. So he can maybe make a tackle that someone else isn't going to make. And that can shorten a drive compared to when he's not in the game. They're going to extend the drives. So, yeah, when, when you're out one of your top players on either side of the ball, even special teams, it, it definitely makes a difference. And does that make a difference between winning and losing? Tough to say, but it certainly doesn't help. Yeah, absolutely. And, and from everything that they've said, you know, Matt Campbell, you can't – that's one thing you cannot trust, a thing he says was injuries. But everything that has came out of the program um, is that he should be able to play this Saturday, and, and they need him. Texas has a really good running back, um, probably going to be the top running back drafted when he's eligible. He's not eligible yet. He still has one more year. This is only his second year in college. Uh, but really, really good back, so they're going to need him. Um, you know, and then, you know – I'm not a huge blame the ref guy and I'm really not blaming the referees in this game, but the replay system failed Iowa state in this game and has, I think hurt college football as a whole. I'm going to go a little bit of on a monologue here against uh, replay. I think the idea of it is absolutely great. It's you need it. There are calls missed on the field. We have the technology use it, but I think there needs to be some, tweaks of it and and one thing i heard this week from, i can't remember who said this but we make it that the call on the field is the correct call and then the replay is there to change it if it wasn't correct so when you hear the official come out and say confirmed that means what they saw in replay was what you know they saw what they thought they saw in the field and it was confirmed it's correct when they say stands it means they really couldn't tell but they have to go with what the call on the field is. I think a change that could help is, hey, this play was close. You know, maybe you have to call it and they call say they call it a touchdown or not a touchdown or a catch. Not, it doesn't matter. But when they get the review, it needs to be, it doesn't matter what the call on the field is. Just get the call correct. You know, we don't need the confirmed or stands just say, the ruling on the field after review is whatever. I, I think that's a tweak that could help because I think that's what 
happened to Iowa State, it was called a touchdown, was the foot down in the back of the end zone. It was really kind of tough to see. It was a blue end zone. He had blue shoes and blue socks. They called it a touchdown, so they called it stands. It wasn't that they saw him touch. They just couldn't see that he didn't touch it. So because they called it a touchdown, they couldn't change it. But I think if it's called, I really think if it's called not a touchdown, they review it and, and it just stays. So I think a tweak that could happen and I think would help is just when they go to the review, it just needs to be the call that the review play replay re official sees, and that's the call. Just get it right. Just get it right. It doesn't matter what was called on the field. You know, so I think that's one thing that could happen. And then this is a Big 12 problem, and I'm sure other conferences, but this game was on ESPN+. Plus. You know, it was a streaming game, so it wasn't on ESPN2, it wasn't on ESPN1, it wasn't on Fox, it wasn't on Fox Sports. And there's only so many angles. There wasn't very many angles. If this game would have been on ABC, they would have had a whole bunch of different, more different angles to see it. Okay. As much money as these teams are playing for, I mean, wins and loses and coaches jobs and eighties. I mean, just the amount of pressure and just what's on the line every week for every team. It, do, it doesn't matter if it's Iowa state, West Virginia, you know, they deserve every team deserves the best replay views. If they're going to use replay, then they need the same cameras and same angle that every game has. It shouldn't just because, hey, you have Kirk Herb Street there, so you have 25 cameras there, and you're going to get you have the pylon cam, you have all that stuff. They're going to get the call correct way more than what happened on Saturday afternoon in Morgantown just because of the technology that was there. And that's not right either, but that's a big 12 problem. And that's a college football problem. You know, again, money is not an issue for these, for any of these people, billions of dollars is spent. They can spend another $30,000 to get more people there and film this if they want. And so I think those are just some things that could help replay become way more dependable and i think we're seeing that just in every sport in baseball in in bass i mean the end of an nba basketball game i mean the last two minutes is going to take half hour because of this um they need to get some some stuff figured out with this replay we have the technology um you know one thing that i, I think and i don't know what they use like in tennis like when they challenge it they show that little computer and they show the ball touching. I mean, they have it. A, a, I don't even know it in two seconds. They know if the ball hit the line or not. Right. I've seen that. Yeah. I'm not they need to do that in football. It. You know, you think about, I don't, you know, if the ball touches the line or crosses the line, it's a touchdown, you know, and then the whole other, I mean, is arm down stuff like that. But so there's technology there to use and we're just not using it. Or I heard some people today say, Hey, 30 years ago, we lived with calls that were wrong. We just lived with it. It happens. And, and I agree with that. And I think maybe officials right now are too dependent on replay. They just make a call because it doesn't matter. They know it'll get fixed. Um, so maybe if they knew they didn't have the replay to depend on, they would be a little bit better. But, you know, baseball's, you know, that, that way with the strikeout call, 
You know, there's certain things that can't get reviewed. Why can't you review something? I mean, I don't understand that. But that's gonna, my that's my take on on replay. If you're going to use it, use it correctly. Um, it needs to get tweaked. Uh, but we'll go with that. And uh, yeah, I mean, and, you know, this one wasn't even in the game, but targeting is just I have no idea what targeting is in, in football anymore. You, you think you see it and you think he's going to be ejected and he's not. And then another situation where, uh, yeah, they hit, but it wasn't malicious or anything and he's gone. I mean, I, I just don't even understand it. Uh, but that's my, that's my little referee slash replay slash college football rules suck. No, I've got, I've got a buddy that was a grade below us, Drew Ruggles. He does camera work for ESPN, Fox, anybody. Mm -hmm. He's a freelancer, mm -hmm. uh, a hired hand, basically makes very good money, mm -hmm. travels around the world. But bringing that up, I mean, when you have the big game with Kirk Herbstreit, you have the acre, I guess you would call it, I think. I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing you have oh, yeah. the top-notch camera angles that you're speaking of. But when you get these smaller games, you have these independent camera crews, and you might have less lesser angles, not as many. And again, I, I could be talking about you-know-what here because I don't even know exactly how it works, but I think we all know the smaller games are not going to have the top crews, which is fine, but you would think with today's technology – why can't these networks that are hosting the game right. make sure there's at least a few few of the angles that we need at the at the yeah, end? There zone. should be a camera down the line of the end zones, mm -hmm. uh, uh, both sides. Pylon can can't be that hard. That's kind of a new thing, and I get it, but it's really good and it helps. I mean, you can see it almost. You know, um, those are just things where if the, the money is there, everybody's making tons of money. You know. Kirk Herbstreit can take $100,000 less a year. Matt Campbell can take $100,000. Every coach can take $100,000 less and pay to have all these cameras there or do whatever. You know, I mean, those, those are just things that there's money there that can be used for that. And, and that, that's what I'm a little bit frustrated at. Um, and this was, you know, right or wrong, Iowa State was ranked number 22 in the country. You know, this wasn't two teams that were one and eight, you know, um, this, you know, and, and this is my Iowa state bias coming in, but, but I don't care if it was Minnesota and Purdue, you know, where they don't have, you know, I don't know what the big 10 network does for everything, but you, you can't, maybe they do have, I know they're affiliated with Fox and this was affiliated with ESPN, but that's not fair for Purdue and Minnesota. You know, those coaches are, are a lot of times fighting for their coaching jobs. You know, they're, fighting for bowl games. They're not going to the BCS every year. They're not going to the New Year's Six. Those coaches are struggling most of the time to keep their jobs or or to try to get another job. You know, those guys win. You know, those guys go ten, get 10 wins a couple of times. They're going to they're go make lots of money, life-changing, family-generated. I mean, the amount of money that is involved in this is, is huge, and, and they just need to get things right, and it needs to be a lot more equitable. No, oh, I agree with you. And I, like I said, I didn't see anything from Iowa State game. So the calls you're talking about, I'm not sure. But you are right, though. It is frustrating with those those smaller games, if you want to call them, the smaller networks where you don't feel as you have enough angles. I mean, come on, ESPN, all these stations, they have enough money to make sure there's. Yeah, a it's just a want to or a need to deal. It's just like the NCAA, which that's a whole nother argument. 
NCAA should make a rule like if you are an FCS football game, these are certain standards that have to be met with TV, you know, that because we need replay. I mean, that's every game. Every game has replay. You know, like right now I'm watching Northern Illinois and, and Rocky Lombardi, who's from West Des Moines there, one of the best names in college football, Northern Illinois, uh, playing uh, Kent State. You know, those kids, and, and this is on ESPN, so I'm sure this game looks way better than the ES- Iowa State game last week. But, you know, those kids deserve the same thing as, you know, Michigan, Michigan State. They're playing, you know, those kids are playing just as hard. They're on scholarships. Those coaches are playing for everything's a little bit smaller, but those coaches, you know, if they win, they get another job, you know, they, you know, it's the same thing. You win at Northern Illinois or you win at Kent state, your next job's in the big 10, you know, I mean, that's what, you know, or the, the big 12 or as you know, you look at, you know, Nick Saban started out as head coach at Toledo. Matt Campbell was the head coach at Toledo. Um, you know, there's lots of, you know, the Mac, uh, you know, the Mac is Miami of Ohio is a cradle of coaches. You know, I mean, you look at who's been there over the course of a hundred years, uh, but just all these kids deserve it. And the, the money's there and everybody's talking about there's too much money. Well, this is where some of the money could be used that would benefit the kids. No, I agree. Yeah, and there's, it, it, it gets repetitive, you know, there's there's so much money people say all the time, but I, I do think that these big networks, ESPN, CBS, ABC, whatever, Fox, they should have enough money to have a few extra cameras around mm-hmm. on these sidelines. The the goal line, like you like you mentioned, there there should be enough money for that to be in place, even for the smaller games. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's kind of wrap that That's up. Outrageous. Yeah, it, I, I don't think so either. Um Iowa State plays Texas Saturday night at 6.30 on FS1. So we'll see where that goes, you know. Um, this game was all set up to be a 2.30 start or even an 11 o'clock start on the Big Fox. Um, Texas and Iowa State both lost. Uh, so it lost really all of its luster. Um, you know, Iowa State has to to win and, and then win out and hope for the best. Um, Texas is, is kind of in a downspin uh, they've blown three straight fourth quarter double digit leads. Um, so, so the natives are starting to get restless in Texas in Sarke- Sarkeesian's first year. Um, and then this story comes out on I Halloween. think he's going to be fine long term, but yeah, I know what you're going yeah. into. Uh, yes, I, I do. Too. I think he's a really good coach. Um, I think he would have done okay at USC. He got drunk and says some dumb things at a, at a booster party, and that's what happened there. But, he got, he got things back on track. Yeah, he'll, he'll be just fine. Him and Lane Kiffin are both fine. You know, both USC guys that didn't work out there, but I think USC might have some other issues. They still can't find someone. Um, but getting back to Texas, they've got issues. So most of you probably have already heard, heard the story or whatever, but Texas special teams coordinator left his wife and married or is dating a stripper named Paul Assassin. Okay, and I know you've kind of heard bits and pieces, but you don't know the, the whole part of the story, Trev. I don't. I, I've heard it. I see. I keep seeing it pop up like on Instagram and stuff, but I don't know the whole story. Okay, so. So, so this girl has been on Jerry Springer and, and just, and there, there's video out there that I, I guess she's really good at her job. But so special teams coordinator at Texas, and he was at Alabama. So this, this guy is 
one of the best in the country, one of the best recruiters in the country. And actually, I heard today that actually he was or might have been in the mix for the West Washington State head football coaching job. But so this girl that he's dating, married to, I, I don't know their status, but whatever, has a monkey that is involved in her act. Monkey business going on. Yes, there's monkey business. Yes, <laughs> monkey gate, monkey business. And there's already lots of things on Twitter where the songs that need to be played at Jack Dry Stadium on Saturday night, the songs the band needs to play, the costumes that the students are going to wear, it's all kinds of stuff coming out. Saturday night is going to be wacky in uh, Ames. Um, but and that's good for the fans. The fans should do that because that's yeah. oh, absolutely. One, one, we're going to let Texas have it because most likely this is the last time Texas is coming to Ames. Um, they're not going to still be in the Big 12 in two years. I think they will still next year, but Iowa State will go down there. Um, just you know, obviously take turns. So, you know, everybody's going to have their horns down shirt on. I'm wearing my horns down shirt. Um, the problem is it's a t-shirt and it's going to be nice during the day, but at 6 30 at night, it's going to start getting colder. So I'm going to have to wear something over it. Um, but got the, down shirt will be on. You're going to have to wear a sweatshirt and just stretch it out over top of it. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. It'll be the last time you wear it, maybe. Yeah. They're not <laughs> exactly. Um, but so this monkey on Halloween from people reporting bit a trick or treater. <laughs> And so it's just going back and forth. Need another outbreak here. Yeah, yeah, the movie outbreak exactly. And but then this this girl, pole assassin. I don't know what her real name is, but that's her her stage girlfriend, name. Yeah, monkey girlfriend. Yep. Went on Twitter saying blaming the kid and it didn't happen and all this stuff. But I mean, it, it is a mess. And then actually, I, I was just reading earlier today that. Uh, uh, Steve Sarkeesian and one of the receivers got into it, and I think the receiver got kicked off the team. So things are not going well in Texas right now. Um, I hope they uh, d still don't get it together for uh, Saturday night because because they have talent. They're 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 really good, and, and they could come out and beat Iowa State, especially Iowa State's you know a little bit fragile right now. Um, you know, listen to like Keith Murphy talk, and and you know he sends guys up, um, Mark Freund and stuff like that that. It just was a very subdued yesterday in the press conferences. And same thing with Iowa. John Sears was there. Just everybody's just kind of down. Um, see, neither season's going as they want. I, th I think, you know, obviously in the historical perspective, Iowa State's really good. And then if you ask Iowa fans, hey, we're six and two, uh, eight weeks in, you're in July, you just said, hey, that's great. But expectations change, games change. You were ranked number two in the country. And now you're not. So just the moods of both programs. And that, that's why I'm going to name this podcast Football Tears in Iowa. Uh, both teams are are back home licking their wounds and trying to figure some stuff out uh, to try to get to the best bowl they can and and try to win out. And if they do get the help, they both could still play for a conference championship. And, and they really both have the talent to play. I mean, I, I think Iowa. If, if they can figure out their offense, uh, you know, they can play with Michigan or Michigan. State. I was really surprised Michigan State beat Michigan. They shouldn't have. Uh, Michigan had a big lead and blew it. Um, uh, but Ohio State, I think, still is the class of that that conference. Um, but, you know, Iowa could get in there and play with anybody. And Iowa State has as much talent as anybody in the Big 12. You know, Oklahoma's undefeated, uh, ranked, I don't know, third in the country, whatever they are in the AP, but eighth in the college football 
um, poll. That's a whole nother argument that we could have with Cincinnati being six, Oklahoma being eight, Alabama still number two. Um, kind of a funny stat with that. Number one, two, three, and four in 2000, I think 15, all four of those head, those head coaches were assistant coaches under Nick Saban all at the same time. Um, so just a great staff there. And, and that's what Nick Saban does. Um, and actually a friend that I, a guy that I know, Quinn Douglas, he does radio up in Webster city, but uh, he just graduated from Iowa last year uh, in 2002, uh, four guys that were under uh, coach Fry in Iowa, uh, Bill Snyder, Bob Stoops, Barry Alvarez, uh, Kirk Ferentz, and uh, Dan McCarney, all six of those guys were all ranked in the top 20 uh, during that year. Uh, so just another staff, you know, Oklahoma was ranked, I think, number one. I think Kansas State was ranked number two. Um, you know, Iowa State was ranked number nine. Iowa was ranked, I don't know, how high did they get that year? They were top five or about there or whatever. So four teams in the top 10. And then, then I know uh, Wisconsin was a top 20 team there, I saw. But just – you know, and that just goes to show you how good Coach Fry was at, at having coaches. And, and that's not a secret um, that, that he had that. But, you know, just super interesting top four teams, you know, um, Alabama being number two. You know, just it's just a, a it's an ESPN thing. And it's uh, it just looks really bad at how how just shaded it is towards the SEC. Uh, now, the argument is, is. It's not about wins and loss. Who is the? It's supposed to be who are the best four teams, and you have a hard time telling me that Alabama is not a top four team, no matter how many times they lose. But great, that's that's the argument that the committee has, and I I don't disagree with that because I, I Alabama could beat anybody on a given day. I have no doubt in my mind, and they could beat. I was I was looking at some stuff today that Alabama, if if the top four happen the way it is. Oregon is number four. Um, Michigan State is three. Alabama would be a 17 and a half point favorite over Michigan State right now. Yeah, I don't find that hard to believe at all. No. So. And Georgia would be like a 19 point favorite over Oregon. Yeah. And that was the point of the committee. The point of the committee was not to just put the four best records. Nope. Anyone could do that. They were to put their minds together and put the four best teams. And it seems like maybe they've gotten away from that or. I, or people have forgotten that maybe to an extent, what the committee means. It's not just the four best records. Just because you're on the feed doesn't mean you're in the top four, uh, whatever your conference or whatever your team is. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, to me, the the playoff rankings don't mean much to me right now. I'll be worried about it here the last two to three yeah. weeks. It really doesn't matter until the conference championship game. The four teams that are ranked in the first – actually – I think like only one time the number one team, which would be Georgia, has won it, or maybe even zero times that the number one team, the first, you know, first ranking has ever, no one's ever won it. And, and they might not. I mean, I don't, if Alabama runs the table and Georgia and Alabama play, I'm not 100% certain Alabama doesn't win. Now, I think Georgia's better right now, but Alabama could win that football game. You know, now I think they both still, if that happens and they both have one loss, those are two of the four teams. I don't know where you put them. Agreed. And it, and it depends how everything else happens. Uh, but, you know, Oklahoma's eight. They're undefeated. Oklahoma will jump, will go up. If they can, if, if they are 13-0 and when this is over, they will be in. I, I really have a, a real good feeling. 
because they're tough games. They have not played yet. They still have to play Baylor. They still have to play Oklahoma State, and they still have to play Iowa State, which you could argue are the next three toughest teams in the Big 12. And then they're going to probably have to play one of those teams again for the second time in the Big 12 title. So their strength of schedule is going to get way better. And especially if they would win some of those games convincingly, you know, they're going to jump some people, you know. Um, they played the weakest teams in the Big 12. But, yeah, so they, they play – I think they play Baylor this week. The, they play Iowa State uh, on the um, – on the 20th, they play Oklahoma State Thanksgiving week. So maybe they don't play Baylor this week. I can't remember. But they start to play all three of those teams. Um, and, and if they would win that, and then they got to play, you know, if they would win them all, they're probably going to play Oklahoma State again. Um, and so two weeks in a row uh, where they play Oklahoma State, who's right now is ranked about number 10 in the country. So so they're going yeah, to they, have their opportunities. The committee is just saying that they're not – they're not that impressive Oklahoma right now because they don't look like they have in years past. But right. as you mentioned, if they have two, three, four convincing wins in a row, then they obviously they, they've got room to move up. Every team does. Right. It's just, yeah. And, and you, you know, um, you know, Georgia or Alabama, one of them is going to lose again. You know, um, you know, Michigan, uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, you know, I think it was Ohio State five. I think one of those two teams is going to yes. lose again you know, or lose, you know, or Ohio state would lose again, or Michigan state is going to lose, you know? So, and, and I think either one of those, whichever one happens, that team's going to drop pretty good because that second loss for Ohio state or the first loss for Michigan state, um, you know, I think will drop Michigan state quite a bit, unless it's really close. Just, I, I don't, and, and I could be wrong. I just don't see Michigan state being on that same level yet. They're very good. Uh, but they're just not a top five team. They deserve it right now. Just like Iowa. Oh, yeah. Iowa had earned the number two ranking. Are they the number two team in the country? Were they the second best? No, but they had earned that number two ranking. Michigan State earns this number three ranking right now. Undefeated, just beat Michigan, beat Miami on the road. I know Miami's not, but they've done everything they're supposed to do. Cincinnati has done everything they're supposed to do. And the problem with them is their strength of schedule is actually going to get worse because they've already beat Indiana on the road. They beat Notre Dame on the road. Their strength of schedule is actually going to keep getting worse. So it's not looking good for them unless a bunch of these teams lose, you know, like, you know, the big 10, the, the circle, just, they kind of all beat each other. Um, you know, they really need Alabama to lose again. And maybe even, a, you know, maybe a, a third time, um, they need some help, unfortunately. And, and I don't know if I disagree with it, but Cincinnati has done everything they can. They went into Notre Dame, who's a top 10 team. You know, like they said, if Notre Dame had what they had, had one loss or was undefeated, Notre Dame would be number three in the country right now. Probably number two, actually, just because of their name. That's what people don't like is the name recognition that, that's getting taken over. Yeah, it's, it's tough to figure out exactly, and you're right. I mean – Michigan State, Mel Tucker's done a hell of a job there. Are they really that good? I mean, they're gonna, we're going to find out. I mean, they beat Michigan. That's, mm -hmm. that's the first step they need to take. Yep. They're <clears> one to one. Point. They still got to beat Penn State, who doesn't look as good, and then they got to play Ohio State. You know, so I mean, they're, they're going to earn it if they get there. They earn it. You know, Michigan the State thing is if uh, is if they run the table, they go undefeated. And then they lose to Iowa in the Big Ten championship. Say if Iowa can make it there, if Iowa can score more than 
seven points. We're going to get to Iowa here in a little bit. But, yeah, there, there's a lot still to go. Like you said, the, the first week the rankings came out, they are what they are. They're, they're kind of telling you what the committee thinks. But there's still a lot of room to play around if you're any of those teams in the top ten. Right. Now, and, and I actually just heard this. Um, I went up and saw my kids tonight and everything. And then uh, I heard this on the way back. What is the point of this? The NCAA basketball committee doesn't come out four weeks before they make their selection and say, these are the 68 teams. Right. It's, now. it's all viewership is what they do. Yeah, that's exactly. It's ESPN because the NCAA is not in charge of this at all. This is ESPN getting content. Yep. It's content. It's viewership. It's, it's money. money. That's all it is. And, yep. and, and, it and I was Gary Barta gets trotted out there to uh, he's like the committee chair or whatever and has to answer the questions. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean something. Yes, I guess it does technically because it tells you where the committee thinks of these top 10 teams. Here's but, what it does. It gives all the, it gives Colin Cowherd. It gives Dan Patrick. It gives every radio talk show host in the country and us something to talk about. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. I mean, until you get to the final two or three weeks of the season, it really doesn't matter. No, because, I mean, you know, Alabama and Georgia are probably going to play in the SEC title game. And one of them's got to win. One of them's going to lose. And so they're probably not going to be number one and two. It's just right. – that's reality. I mean, I, I mean, I think they both still go. You know, if Georgia would win and Alabama has two losses, you're going to have – If Alabama has two losses, I don't know. But that, that's right. where – interesting though right that's where it's going to get interesting you get a two loss alabama team or like an undefeated cincinnati something like i mean i i don't know to me to me a two loss alabama team is probably still better than cincinnati undefeated but in my opinion i don't know it's it's time to let some new teams in maybe and just see what happens because everyone's like well you know if you let oklahoma in oregon washington uh, a big 10 team besides ohio state like They've all been blown out. Mm-hmm. These games really haven't been that competitive. So unless you're in Alabama, Clemson, or Georgia, it really doesn't matter who you put in. Notre Dame's been blown out. So it really doesn't matter. So why not give Cincinnati a chance to to play if they, you know, if they can get in, of course. Mm-hmm. To me, it really doesn't matter. But no. it's going to expand to 8 or 12, which it needs to, in my opinion. But why we're now at 4, like, let's not – the Notre Dames have had their chances – the other Big Ten schools have had their chances. Oklahoma's had their chances. Oregon has. Washington. Yep. They've all they've all uh, shit the bed basically. The o- the only team that has really consistently went in there and won that's not in the SEC is Clemson. Yep, and then Ohio State's probably third. Right, and Cle- and Ohio yeah. State has had time, but they've went there and got beat too. I mean, sure. so yeah, they, they've done both. They've done both. Huh? That's the only other team that's won other than those two, really, other than the year that. Uh, Georgia made it to the championship, of course. Yeah, Georgia, Alabama. And then there's outliers, too, like Florida State. And Florida State has been in there one time. Obviously, LSU, LSU made it the one time. And LSU had the best team. That wasn't close. That year, they had the best team, and it wasn't close. But it's a usual suspects, basically. Right. What we're yeah. getting at. Yeah, it's – and, again, it, it's not any different. There's only – in the, you know, in the top eight teams, there's only three teams that aren't in the – regular Michigan State, Cincinnati, and is that maybe that's it of the top eight teams. Yeah. Wake Forest. Yeah. But I don't <laughs> think what are, are they seven? 
I don't, they might be I, eight. I don't know, but yeah, just Wake Forest, that's a weird one. But hell, if they run, I don't know, who knows if they go undefeated, throw them in. <laughs> See what All right, let's uh move on to Iowa. Um, and, th- and this is a fair argument who is sadder on Saturday afternoon, evening, or even into this week, Iowa State fans or Iowa fans? Iowa, in my opinion, I, I, I think so too, because Iowa State. You know, their their defense did not play well on Saturday, but overall, they've been really good this year. And actually, it's what they've they've you know they've yeah. lived with their defense yeah. for several years and they played really well this year. Iowa's offense, and I, I've heard people talk about if their offense was just mediocre, they are ranked 124th in the country out of like 135 teams. And when, in 2015, when they went 12 and 0, they were ranked like 63rd. You know, I mean, which is not good, but it's if they're just average, middle of the pack, they're 8 and 0, ranked number two in the country, and, and that's what got Iowa, has Iowa fans frustrated. If you know, and, and I know this has been in our, in our our chat and everything else like this, but. If you had Brock Purdy at quarterback in, in Iowa at an Iowa uniform, you're eight no. Maybe I uh, I'd, I'd rather have him than Petrus. I don't know if we're eight no, but I agree with you on the what you're saying. We'd have a better chance, definitely, be at eight no. There's no doubt. Um, you and I talked before we got on here. I think the biggest problem is the O line. Yeah, which, it, it, it's it's not on Petrus. It's not well, on good. A lot of it is, but not fully. I, I watched the game and I think I text. Zach and stuff on Saturday. I was watching that game and that offensive line, Tyler Lindebaum, which probably is the best lineman in college football. He can only do so by far and away the best center. You make an argument, he might be the best lineman. His guy that he was blocking wasn't close to wherever he wanted to go. It was wherever Lindebaum wanted him to go. Every other person was back on Petrus. I mean, it, it's not good. No, it's not good. And that's why was known for good alignment. Yeah. And obviously, uh, Lindemann is. So, but again, that's one of five. He's just the center out of five alignment. You still have to have some other guys competent around him. Uh, is Petrus a good quarterback or not? I don't know. I don't think so. Would it be nice to have a playmaker back there that could run around? Brock Purdy's a little bit more of a playmaker, but even a Drew Tate, Ricky Stanzi. Brad Banks, uh, whoever you want to put back there, it will be nice to see. I just, I don't know. It for me, Iowa scores seven points in back-to-back games. That's, I don't even know if I have a word for it. Well, you know, and and, and here's kind of the frustration that I see out of Iowa fans, and, and I get it. You had a bye week. You didn't play very good against Purdue. That we've talked about, like even the NFL. Kind of everybody has a week where you don't play very well, and you hope you win. You hope you just get out of it. Iowa didn't. It happens. It's okay. Every team gets one freebie, so to speak. Right, and and you hope you, you know, Oklahoma beat Tulane by five points. That was theirs. They still won. You know, um, Iowa didn't get through. So they had the bye week to regroup, reshuffle, think some new things, try to be better, and actually maybe it got worse. Now I think Wisconsin's better than Purdue. So, I mean, that had a lot to do with it. 
Oh, regardless, one first down. But, in the first. but one first down in the first half, and that first down didn't come to like two minutes left in the first half. I mean, it's embarrassing. I mean, it really is. Well, and, and here's the epitome. And I can't. This is the first half. I can't tell you exactly when. I don't know. This first quarter, second quarter, but you know, Petrus gets stripped, fumbled, like the ten yard line, nine yard line. Wisconsin has a ball. Fourth and one from the one. Iowa stops. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Offense sucked. Defense stepped up. Didn't let him score. Perfect. Defense got put in some tough situations. Yeah. Perfect. Show. Exactly. All you could ask. Did everything they're supposed Played to do. Fast. Yep. First play. <laughs> fumbled in the end zone. It comes out. They fought it on the one yard line. It's like son of a gun. <laughs> and then they Wisconsin scores, and there's nothing you can do. Um, but that's just the epitome. Their defense is absolutely unbelievable. One of the best in the country. Um, you know, top 10. You know, defense, offense, just can't do anything. Um, but here – and here is what I do not understand. And I, I wasn't watching this. It must have been after the Iowa State. So, once the Iowa State game started, I turned over. I didn't watch much. The game was really over, so I didn't really watch any of the Iowa games. So, but this was later in the game. You didn't miss anything. Well, no, it was third and one. They run the fullback dive and get stopped. It happens. It's okay. Call timeout. You know exactly right where I'm going here. Okay, call timeout. Come out, run fullback dive on fourth and one, and get stuffed again. Yep. Um, I I don't understand that. Um, I, I coach football for a long time. I called plays. Um, I call defense. I call you know offense. I've done it all. I don't understand that. Um, after a timeout, why call it? If you're going to do that, why call a timeout? Go quick. Everybody knows you're going to run that anyway. And what I really don't understand is Iowa probably, and, and this has been a kind of a running joke with our group. I was the best team in the world at running quarterback sneaks because yeah. of Tyler Lindemann. Run the sneak. Yeah. Run the, if you're going to do it, run the sneak. Throughout Kirk Ferentz's history, they're good at yeah. quarterback. So yeah, it, it probably should have been quarterback sneak. I, I don't know if it, it probably wouldn't have made much of a difference because we can't even complete a two-yard pass. Right. I mean, but but it's just the yeah, I know. And and you know, everybody's killing Brian Ferentz, but don't kid yourself. Um, everybody killed Greg Davis before him. Everybody killed Ken O'Keefe before him. Oh yeah. This is what Kirk Ferentz wants. It's it, it's him. No, he he wants to play good defense, good special teams. But a little bit more offense is all he, he wants more. Yeah, but wants but this problems. is but but don't kid. This is Kirk Ferentz's offense. Oh yeah, th- this is the recipe. And you know, um, Ken O'Keefe is back. You know, on staff, he's not the coordinator anymore. Um, he's quarterbacks coach. Um, but you know, the issue is is Brian Ferentz is Kirk Ferentz's son, so they know he's not getting fired. Right. Um, and, and really especially until last summer, um, he's the heir apparent. He's going to be the head coach. Now, I still think he actually is going to probably be the head coach. Um, I just think too much has been done um, because uh, they've just set it up. That's just what's going to be. You look at that coaching staff, the only one on staff that could do it, and I would think if he wanted to be head coach, he would have left him in, is Phil Parker. And mm-hmm. I think I think it's set up for – Kirk to leave soon. I mean, you know, I don't think he's going to leave yeah. this year or anything. Uh, Both Kirk, Kirk to leave 
keep Phil for a few years to help Brian, you know, I mean, don't get those guys go talk. I mean, you know, when, when Kirk needs, Kirk needs advice and just sit down, Hey, what are we doing? You know, him and Phil are, are probably like best friends and, and, and they talk a lot of just how to run the program. You know, Phil's not a head coach, but he is, I would say he's the assistant head coach and oh yeah. He's and, got years and, and years just, of experience. If Phil says, Hey, we should do this. I think Kirk listens and, and probably does it, you know? So I think he, you know, Kirk wants to set Brian up for success. And so he's going to want Phil to stay there. Um, if that Kirk, happens. I'm, and Kirk wants to set the rest of the guys up for the same thing too. Oh yeah. He doesn't want, I would have fought. He, I, I hope he doesn't stay on and do what Hayden Fry did that made him, you know, not succeed right away where he struggled the first two years, three years, mm-hmm. you know, he, he wasn't good because Hayden Fry stayed on a year or two, too long. Yeah. A year or two. Yeah. Too long. And, and I, and I don't think Kirk, Kirk is not there right now. He is the, the, program, the program has better athletes. Um, they're winning lots of football games. I mean, he's not there. I mean, it, he, he does not need to retire unless he wants to. I mean, if it's a choice, I mean, if he wants to go, he can go anytime. Um, but he doesn't need forced out or at anything. Um, You know, the interesting thing is, is would Brian Ferentz, you know, obviously he's not going to fire him, but would, you know, the new England Patriots come back and hire Brian as something for a few years and then he could come back, whatever, you know what I mean? That would be the move where you don't fire him but it was time to move on from, you know, that, that, that would be the one thing that could happen. Maybe. Yeah. The the Patriots could be a a player there. You're right. I mean, it'll be interesting to see as long as, as you mentioned, as long as I was going around seven or eight games a year or more, Kirk's probably going to stick around for, you know, for a while, how how many years exactly, you know, remains to be seen, but no, it's probably going to get handed off, which in my opinion should I think that's the right move, but let's not let it. I'm going to put my my trust in the Ferrances. Mm-hmm. Like if, if they hand it off to to Brian, okay, that's fine. But he's got a five or six year window, mm-hmm. give whatever whatever window you want to call it. But he needs to have some eight plus win seasons. Yeah, he, he's okay. got to win. I mean, yeah, he's got to win. You know, if he if, if he Kirk has Ferentz in the first, you know, he won in like year three, I think. Two yeah, year two. three, year two or three. Know. Yeah, he was winning. If you don't win in your five years, you're done. I don't care who you're you done. Yeah. You know, I agree if, with that. if Kirk Ferentz went 500 for the next five years, he's done. Look, look, okay. Here's an example. Gary Patterson um, got hired right after Ferentz, one of those he, 2000 or whatever, you know. Same time, basically. Yeah. He was 21 and 22 in the last, you know, 43 games or whatever, and he's gone, you know, and, and they, he already has a statue. There's a statue outside that stadium of him. They would not be in the Big 12 without him. He won a Rose Bowl. Um, you know, he, they beat Wisconsin in a Rose Bowl. Yep. Um, you know, so, I mean, he, you know, and it was just, it wasn't working anymore. Now, whether he just kind of didn't want it anymore or it just wasn't working. Um, time runs its course. I mean, yep. it's, there's something to say somewhere a long time. Yep, it is. And, and so, you know. And like we were saying, I was not there and they're not really close to there. They've actually, they won more games the last, you know, four years 
in a four game, four year stretch than they probably ever have under Ference. Um, they've won a lot. Of there, I think. Yeah. So um, it's all about him, but, but, you know, kind of the joke was Riley Moss got hurt there at the end of that Penn state game and they've not been the same since. <laughs> well, they haven't. And not that that's the only thing, right. I mean, it, right, it, it, it is kind of funny in a way, but yeah, I mean, the offense can't do anything. Like I said, they scored seven points back to back weeks. You, you can't score seven points in today's football. No. And it's just, it's bad. I don't know if a quarterback change is going to make a, a difference. I, I'm almost here for it now just to see, let's get a guy to run around a little bit, um, see if, see if something can happen. I'm, I'm for a change, but yeah, it's weird. Cause you start out six, no, you lose two straight. But like you mentioned, if you went back to the beginning of the season and said, Hey, you start out, Iowa would start out six and two. Would you take it? I think a lot of fans would probably consider it probably like, yeah, okay. I, th- I think that's pretty well, good. I, I mean, and, and this is, you know, you probably have a six and two. Okay. Maybe we lost to Penn state. We lost to Iowa state, you know, both teams that were ranked top 10 ranked teams. Yeah. You know, top 10 ish team, you know, and, and, and right or wrong, it, it's, it's not Iowa's fault, but Penn state has lost three in a row. Iowa has three, Iowa state has three losses. Those teams aren't what they were when they played them. You know, Iowa state was ranked six in the country when Iowa played them. Penn State was Penn State was ranked fourth. They're not there now. Neither team. Um, and then you know we talked earlier the um, turnovers. You know Iowa Iowa was like plus twelve in turnovers through the first five weeks, and now after week eight they're like plus six. You know I don't think Iowa's had a turnover in two weeks in a row. No, now. they haven't two in a row, and that's why they've lost. Their offense isn't good enough. We talked about that especially after the Iowa State. Iowa's offense did not have to do anything. That's not their fault. They didn't have to. They Basically, got the ball on Iowa State's side of the field. They were able to get, you know, 20 yards. And it was a field goal, you know, and then they were, you know, the one defensive touchdown, you know, I mean, you know, Iowa, Iowa had five defensive scores in the first four weeks. You know, they had a safety. They had touchdown against Iowa State. They had two touchdowns against Indiana, you know, I think they had a, a safety against uh, not Colorado State, but what was the other non-conference game they had? I thought it was State, but maybe it was Colorado State. But that is I don't know, but yeah, I mean your but, points. You know, they, I mean, they scored yeah. a whole bunch of points on defense. Right you know, now, their defense is still really, really good and played really well, but they just haven't yeah, got those turnovers and scored. You know, so they've they've had to rely on their offense to create their own. And they haven't been able to do it. Iowa's offense has created two touchdowns in two games. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's putrid. I it, it's tough to even watch. I mean, I don't know. I I, I could say a lot of bad words. It, watching Saturday, it was just like, man, this is about as bad as it gets, really. Mm-hmm. In 2021, watching the offensive team, even for Iowa, which we know they're limited, but one first down in the first half. I mean, that's just, man, it's tough to comprehend. It's tough to put your mind around it and still be, you're still a fan of the team, but it's very frustrating. Right. And, and you look at, and what frustrates like Iowa fans and stuff is you look at Nick Saban. 10 years ago, Nick Saban did the same thing. You know, Greg McElroy was his quarterback that won a national title. 
game manager. These are the worst quarterbacks that they had. Yeah, game manager didn't do anything. They, they handed the ball off to Mark Ingram, you know, handed it off. Just don't screw up, you know. The year that LSU and them played twice or LSU beat them nine to six and then Alabama beat them in the championship game. I was still on 11. That was when Iowa State beat Oklahoma State. Um, you know, just defense, defense, defense. There was no offense in either game. Les Miles versus Nick Saban. Well, Nick Saban un- finally understood somewhere after that a couple of years. Time to you got, you got You got to score points. There, there's going to come a time you have to just score. And so he went out and hired Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian. And now they score. I mean, everybody kind of jokes that the SEC's, I mean, scoring average is way higher than the Big 12. Now, you know, you know, Lane Kiffin scores all kinds of points. You know, LSU, LSU isn't this year, but LSU has scored all kinds of points. Georgia scores all kinds of points. You know, Georgia's, Georgia's defense, that's a whole nother. <laughs> they are good. <laughs> I think 6.6 points per game or something. It's Well, they said every one of those. NFL and every one of those front seven playing the NFL will be starters in the NFL is the top. Yeah, it's, I mean, it might not, be not just NFL guys, starters in the NFL. Starters, yeah, it's <laughs> it's insane. I mean, but yeah, going back to your point, I mean, they hired uh, Lane Kiffin, and people make fun of and and yeah. Char- and people make jokes, but I mean, uh, Saban knew what he was doing. Well, those guys know how to coach offense. The rules have changed in football. It is all about offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watched NFL this week more than I've seen for, and the the roughing the passer is calls that they call when they just touch. I mean, it's there's no wonder that Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees quarterbacks can play forever because they don't get touched. I mean, it. I mean, they get touched in the head, and it's a 15 yard penalty. It didn't hurt them one bit. Their own guy can touch them and they get filled. <laughs> yeah. A defensive lineman can throw their own offensive lineman into them and they get a penalty. I, I agree. I mean, it's I mean, bad. that's it's a little sarcastic, but that's about what it is, too. So, I mean, yeah, the game's changing. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to NFL here in a little bit. Defense still matters to an extent. But, but yeah, I mean, college is just, yeah, for Iowa – I don't know. I've got nothing to say. It's it's a five o'clock game, I think, or five thirty at, at Northwestern. If Iowa can put twenty points on the board, I'd be ecstatic. But I don't know. I'm not giving up on the season, but it's just like you said, it's frustrating. Start out six zero, then go zero and two, scoring seven points each game. It's just tough to be a fan of it. But here we are. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's move uh, to the NFL, which there's actually there's a ton of stories in the NFL. And as we talked like, you know, a little bit before we started here, really doesn't have anything to do with the football games. Um, number one story, Aaron Rodgers test positive for COVID. Uh, the Packers have had issues. They, they were out without their top uh, two receivers, uh, Alan Lazard and Adams uh, with COVID. And then one of the other guys was hurt. So they're actually without their top three. They weren't all COVID issues. Um, but Aaron Rodgers uh, test positive for COVID, not vaccinated. And the issue and people are, are getting really worked up is before the season started, he was asked if he was uh, vaccinated 
and and I cannot say the word. We both talked about this. But he said immunized. I think that's how I say it. I don't know for sure. He said he was immunized. And what I've read from that is he took some alternative treatments this summer and petitioned the NFL to be treated as a vaccinated player and was denied. So he is being treated as an as a unvaccinated player. They told him no. Correct. Yeah. So they denied that that request. And he, so he cannot play in, at least until November 13th if he's showing no signs of no symptoms. You know, if he's Just showing symptoms. Real quick, changing. and I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but right. everything you said is right. And that's what he did. But every week now, he's been on podcasts, uh, post-game interviews, not wearing a mask, not, mm-hmm. not walking around with a mask. And you're supposed to if you're unvaccinated. Yeah. Which, in my opinion, the NFL – knew this the nfl had to have known this right the green bay packers knew this and now they're they're acting all surprised like oh we didn't know this it's a shocker to us listen the nfl knew he was unvaxxed yeah how did they let him get away with doing press conferences not wearing a mask walking around what other players had to do differently and now the nfl is going to try to blame this on something else We'll get in this a little bit later, but the NFL, this has been a bad year for the NFL, in my opinion. The NFL knew he was unvaxxed. They knew I, that. I would assume so, yes. But they can't. Everyone's like, well, they should find him, suspend him. Like, well, they can't. They knew what he was. Don't play dumb. The NFL knew that he was unvaxxed. Whether that's right or wrong, whatever, but they knew that. And, no it, and it's okay to whatever way he wants to be. It, it's sure. If I'm you're sure. unvaccinated, there are certain protocols that you have to go through that are different. And that's you okay. can still be unvaxxed and play in the NFL. It's just a lot right. tougher. Right. But the NFL coming out and being like, well, playing dumb, we didn't know. Like, you knew exactly that. Yeah. You knew exactly that he was unvaxxed. So I'm getting a little tired of the NFL. I think there's some games getting played here with some other issues that's going on. But we'll, uh, we'll get into that. Yeah. The NFL's had a bad year so far. I agree. And then, you know, one thing that, that doesn't, you know, everybody talks about money and everybody's losing money and stuff with the pandemic. And it comes out that Roger Goodell's made like $187 million over the last two and a half years forever <laughs> with bonuses. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, like you said, bad look. Uh, but but getting back there and Rogers, uh, they play the Kansas City Chiefs. It's supposed to be the first matchup of Mahomes and, and Rogers, which is a great quarterback matchup. And it's two years in a row, I would have missed out on it. Huh? I think two years in a row, because last year, I think Mahomes was hurt. Yep. The kneecap. Yep. And this year, uh, Rogers' vaccination protocol. Yep. So, um, but but the interesting part is, essentially, it was a pick em. It kind of depends where he looked. But essentially, it was a pick em. And And just after today, and, and knowing Rogers is not playing, uh, it has moved uh, plus eight for the Packers. So, uh, Chiefs are now supposed to win by eight. That just shows how much Aaron Rodgers – according to Vegas, means to the Packers. A touchdown spread, yeah. Yeah, more than a touchdown. I mean. <laughs> yeah, eight, eight, I guess. Yeah, it's – yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's – like you said, last year they were supposed to play, and I think Mahomes had that kneecap injury. Yeah. And then, of course, this year uh, Rodgers was out because he's unvaxxed, uh, positive for COVID. But I don't know. It, it's been a rough week for the NFL. I mean, Henry Ruggs, like we spoke on here before, uh, a lot of people are seeing that. I mean, that guy was a 22-year-old kid. 
going 150 miles an hour. Yeah, I got it here. 157 miles an hour was his top speed, like right before he crashed. And then when his airbags went off, he was going 127. So he barely hit the brakes, probably. And and, and unfortunately, a young lady, 23-year-old, died. I mean, that's, that's just a horrible story. I, I mean, there's no other word for it. Um, but when you give these ki- these young people money and, you know, he's driving a, what was he driving? Some Corvette. Corvette. Okay, yeah. so that, I mean, that isn't even a, a super sports car. It's a sports car, but it wasn't like a Ferrari. Or, but you give these young guys money and no worries and you're living in Vegas this happened at like three forty-five in the morning. Yeah, on a Wednesday, like you know. On, in the morning, yeah, yeah, on a Wednesday, you know. Which I understand that those guys don't work normal hours. You know, they their their days off are like Monday and Tuesday. So I mean, I get that. Um, so um, you know, they don't go out on Saturday night because they're getting ready for the game on Sunday. They go out but on being out drunk at the bar at three thirty is not the end of the world. No, them getting into a Corvette and driving one hundred fifty miles an hour is the problem, and, and especially. In today's climate where you've got Uber and Lyft and just anything, and those guys have. I read some that they have Uber credits. All NFL players have Uber. They have a certain amount of credits. Uber Uber probably sponsors the NFL. So, yeah, every player gets 10 free rides or something. And, and again, it doesn't matter because those guys have enough money. Every every NFL player has plenty of money to pay $50 for an Uber, you know, or whatever it is. Or 99% of them could call somebody, you know, you know, actually a hundred, a hundred percent, because probably somebody at the bar knows who you are and isn't drunk would get you home. (laughs) You know, I mean, yeah, it's tragic. I mean, you know, he probably thought he was on top of the world and now he's who knows what's going to happen the rest of his life. I mean, yeah, the, the person that he killed and, no, his, his life, what he woke up to, to what he went to bed with, um, his life has changed forever. Yeah, and not in a good way. And no, now I'm not one to throw stones. I'm not saying he needs to be castrated or no, thrown to the the behind bars the rest of his life. I don't know what the answer is, but yeah, it sucks. But it, I don't know, it nothing good. Right or wrong is going to no, come. And the Raider, just in the football side of it, the Raiders did cut him. Um, so, you know, um, obviously he's going to get paid for what he did, but he's going to, you know, not getting paid. He, he's going to go to jail probably for a while. He's going to get, because he has money and has that, he's going to get sued by the family. I mean, it's just the way our, our society is. He's going to get sued by that family. Um, he's going to have a tough road to go. And, and, um, quarterback car came out and talked that you know not backing him in any way but saying he needs our love and support and i will be there for him and i agree just like you just like you said you know we all make mistakes is this one really bad absolutely really really bad but he's still a human there's still people that love him and he needs there's, there's nobody that feels worse than that guy right now there's zero people. I don't care what you say. No one feels worse than him. I don't I agree. I yeah. mean, I don't know him, but just if you are a normal human being, there is no one that feels worse than him right now. Yeah. Like you said, if you're a normal human, 
nobody throws worse than him. So, and I, I saw that with, with Carr coming out and saying, hey, you know, going to support him to an extent, obviously. just Right. Not, not, sure not backing, not supporting what he did, but support him. You know. Make sure he help him through it. But, right. yeah, the, but there's no good winner in this. And I think that's a lot of times when tragedies like this happen, people people want there to be a winner. No. They want him thrown away, and then there's, oh, it's a, there's no winner. It doesn't, no. it doesn't matter what happens. No. No, the, the lady is still gone. Her family is it's forever changed. This guy's life is forever. I mean, nothing good comes out of this. Zero. No, that doesn't mean he gets off. I'm not saying that. Just right. Th- whether he gets off or not, or minimal sentence or whatever they decide to do, there's there's just no good winner. Nobody wins. So it's it's been a bad year for the NFL, in my opinion. I mean, the Gruden emails, this, Aaron Rodgers, all these quarterbacks not being unvaxxed or being unvaxxed. Um, weird year for the NFL. I, I don't know what's more really halfway through it, basically. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, that, that stuff's bigger than, than football, of course. But. Right. Let, let's kind of get back to football here. Kind of two other player transaction issues. Von Miller traded from Denver to LA to the Rams. Rams going all in. I mean, I mean, there's really no other way to say it. They're all in. Um, trying to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I like it. I mean, for Matt Stafford, he went from the worst organization maybe ever to the most aggressive organization. Yeah, so ever. a team is trying. I mean, whether they do it or not is all you can do yeah, is there's, try. There's a lot of people saying, like, man, they're they're gonna be set up for they're gonna fail here in a few years. Like, listen, since they drafted Jared Goff, they've never had a first round draft pick. Right. They they trade away like like it's nothing. And most of their team is actually made up of fourth and seventh round draft picks. Like they actually hit on their four through seventh rounders. The Rams do a very good job of hitting on those late round guys. And I think a lot of people don't realize that the Rams have seven to eight draft picks next year. Compensatory or compensatory picks mm-hmm. for players that they've lost. But like this is what the Rams do. They've done this ever since I think 2017 or 2018, this is what they do. They trade away their top picks. And everyone's like, well, you know, the Broncos, they got hosed. Uh, Vaughn Miller was a free agent after this year. He was going to walk. Yeah, it wasn't just uh, we want Vaughn Miller. It was we know Vaughn Miller is going to be a free agent. It's kind of like a, a baseball player, you know, traded at the trade deadline. Well, he's going to walk anyway, so we're not going to get anything, so we might as well get something for him. Right. You know, now in the NFL, when they walk from free agency, they get a compensatory pick or, you know, third, fourth, fifth rounder. Yeah. yeah whatever it is, they, they, they rated per player and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, you know, the Rams are in um, and that's all you can do. You look at everybody kind of thought, you know, that the Chiefs have been in three straight championship games, two straight Super Bowls. They're going to be there every year. The NFL is different than everywhere else. It's the Houston Astros have been in five straight, you know, championship uh, series, you know, four um, World Series. You know, their time looks like it's coming to an end, too, in baseball, you know, with the Braves winning last night. But you don't know. You know, you don't know. You got to live for now. You know, like Tampa Bay are kind of mortgaging their future a little bit to win right now. They won a Super Bowl last year. It worked. They're. They're good this year, you know, much kind of like last year. They weren't great. We're going to see if they continue to get better. 
Um, but they got themselves a great chance again. You know, that's all you can do is give yourself a chance. And, and the Rams are doing that the best they can. You know, uh, Greeny off Mike and Mike. Greeny was on the Pat McAfee show the other night. And they were talking like years ago, we used to talk about the five-year windows, right? Or whatever you want to call it. How to build a team, how to plan for the future. And he goes, you know, the Packers had Favre and Rodgers for 30 years. They made three Super Bowls, one, two. Yep. And that was it. He's like, these five-year windows need to go. We need to stop doing these five-year windows. Every year is the window. It's right. this year. And that's what the Rams are doing. The Rams are like, this is our year. That's it. We don't care about next year. We don't care about 2023, 2024. We don't care. This is the year. Right. We're going to win it. And I think that's I think that's how sports are shifting a little bit. Yeah, and, I, and I don't disagree with it because you don't know. I mean – just like, you know, if, if Tom Brady gets hurt this Sunday and can't play the rest of the year, they're done. They're done, yeah. They're done. They, I, I don't they care might make a says. playoff spot, but yeah, they're done. No, they're, they're not done. winning a Super Bowl without Tom Brady as their quarterback. No. If Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, I mean, he'll, he'll be back. I mean, this sucks. But if he gets hurt, Packers done. are done. You know. Yeah, any of these top teams. The right. Rams, if uh, Stafford gets hurt, they're done. Yeah. I mean, so you have to live – and go with this year and hope he doesn't get hurt this year. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's all you can do. Um, I agree. I, I think the years of the five-year windows, I don't want to say it's totally out of the, the ballpark, but I think you have to live within the year itself to an extent. Or at least a two-year window compared to like a five, but every team is a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, uh, yeah, live – and that's kind of the way our society is living more than, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but just go for it now, you know, yeah. instead of just playing for the future and stuff like that. So we'll see. Anything else you want to talk about, Trev? Just kind of go over your picks. No, um, I went two and three last week. So that puts me at 25, 27 and one couple games under 500. Uh, this week I'm going to go Colts minus 10 and a half tomorrow night on Thursday night football. I think Colts win big. I'm going to take the Cowboys minus 10 over the Broncos. I think the Cowboys roll. I'm going to take the, my upset pick is a Giants plus three. Also plus Giants win the game outright. That's my out, upset pick of the, the week. And then I'm going to take the Chargers minus one and a half. Um, I don't know. This week's kind of weird. I, I don't really feel that much, feel that good about any of them, but those are my picks. So. Well, sounds good. So, in my top five teams, I got Rams one, which is, could change a lot. I got Cowboys two, Packers three, Cards four, and then AFC team six in there with the Bills at five. So, yeah, I don't know. Kind of a weird week. It, it is. We're, we're getting to the bye weeks right now where certain, you know, like the Buccaneers are on a bye. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, unfortunately it's kind of out of sight, out of mind really for a week, you know? Um, so that's just kind of the way uh, football is right now. And so we're going to go through bye weeks here for the next five, six weeks. Um, and we'll see how it goes from there, but yeah, another uh, great week. Um, hopefully the Cyclones and Hawkeyes, Hawkeyes should have a good right game. Uh, Northwestern isn't very good. But 
Northwestern has been a thorn in Iowa's side. Yes, they have. Um, you know, <laughs> Iowa State, you know, has to win out. Um, home game, 99% chance is the last time Texas ever comes to Ames. Just night game, kind of an angry crowd after last week. Um, be interesting. Iowa State needs to come out and play well. Um, you know, Texas, you know, the, the lust is off the game. It's, it's, you know, both teams are, are technically still in the race, but not really, you know, um, but Iowa State needs to win. I, Iowa State needs to win. Um, and this would be three straight wins over Texas, which would be big just for, um, you know, what Iowa State's trying to do. You know, you win this week, you win next week at Texas Tech, play Oklahoma, whatever happens, happens, and then you finish it up at TCU. Um, you know, nine and three, eight and four. It's not exactly what you wanted, but still pretty good. It, it's in, in the history of Iowa State football, it's pretty darn good. Yeah, exactly. See what happens, but yeah, we're it still could be a good season for both teams, but it's just frustrating at this point. Yeah, yeah, that it's it's exactly just frustrating and disappointing, both teams. Um, but again, in two weeks, we might be talking where. Iowa State's coming off a win at Oklahoma. Iowa's won two more in a row. Then we're excited again. We're excited. <laughs> it's it it's crazy, uh, but but right now it, it's a little dis- depressing here in the state of Iowa in college football. Yep, we'll see what happens. All right, we'll talk to you later, Trev. Okay, see you next week. Thank you for listening to Morgan Yes for podcast. Please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast on your podcast player to help spread the podcast out to bigger audiences.